Yo, people, act like y'all see this happening. Just act like y'all see me. Act like I'm not here right now. I thought this screen was set up. This scene was not set up. Apparently, I was doing something before, and I never had to set up. Uh, what's up, people? Hotep Jesus, we back. Another sharp conversation with Hotep Jesus. It's been like a couple of weeks since I've done one of these. So, welcome back. What up, Eb? What up, Brody? Shout out to the people in the chat holding me down. Eb, let me go ahead and just give you some moder moderator privileges, girl. Let me just go ahead and... Eb's a moderator now. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Let's pay the bills. Today's show, as you know, is with Bitcoin Zay, and we're going to be talking Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and maybe a little bit of politics, and culture in America and you know some fun conversations um, but majority Bitcoin we're going to talk today uh, as you already know I'm a co-founder in coinbitsapp.com make sure y'all buy Bitcoin from coinbitsapp.com set it and forget it just set a, a set in a weekly amount you know whatever you want it to be 100 bucks 200 bucks whatever it is and the app will automatically buy Bitcoin for you I use it Keep that thing turned on and just let it accumulate. I got people making some big gains here. Some big gains. I got my homie, a nuclear physicist. He sent me a screenshot the other day. He done made $20,000 this year off of set it and forget it. I'm sorry, correction, $29,000. He's up 200% on a $14,000 investment. Um, you know, I heard a lot of people. Actually, let me just let me just go ahead and, again, coinbitsapp.com. Make sure y'all get into him. Let me go ahead and intro my guest today. My guest today is a very, very interesting fella. He's taking the Bitcoin scene by storm. Huge, huge leader in the community. I bring to you today, other than Bitcoin Zay. What's up, my brother? How you feeling? What's going on, brother? Good to be here with you, man. Glad to be here. Awesome. Long time coming, man. Long time coming, right? Yeah, yeah I feel like we know all the same people, but we just haven't connected. So glad I'm here. Yeah, this is way overdue, way overdue. Um, but I'm glad to have you on the on the channel. Welcome to the Hotep Jesus channel, where we have a lot of very interesting conversations, connect with a lot of different minds, and let's just jump right into this thing. So your name is Bitcoin Zay. Um. How did you get in? How, what 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 inspired you to get involved in Bitcoin? Was it was it uh, the technology? Was it the money? Was it speculative for you? What, what was it? And what year did you get involved? Uh, so first things first, I didn't give myself the nickname. I always thought that was corny. People give you, you give themselves nicknames. People so literally call me Bitcoin Zay. They literally used to call me that because I was the only person talking about it where I grew up at in Charlotte, North Carolina back in 2013 when I started. So people would literally call me, oh, Bitcoin Zoo, the Bitcoin dude, Bitcoin Zay. So that's where that came from. But 
I started uh, 2013. Uh, I had a roommate. Um, I actually worked for a, a financial institution. Won't put them out there, but they discussed Bitcoin, and it was very tech-based back then, very cypherpunk. He came home, and you know we're kicking around ideas how to make money because at the time I'm a teacher. I'm teaching computer engineering, uh, some scientific visualization stuff, but teachers aren't getting paid shit, right? So we're just trying to figure out ways to make money. So what drew me to Bitcoin was first that it was tech based. You know, that was my field uh, when I graduated in college. So I kind of got it. He moved it to me. And then uh, I saw a video from Max Kaiser. If anybody knows Max Kaiser, Max Kaiser goes crazy about Bitcoin. He's been in it since it was like a dollar. And when I found him, I looked him up and he actually tweeted, you know, 2011. In 2011, he said, if the black community bought Bitcoin, they'd be able to buy the white community. And he's a, he, he's a white man who said this, <laughs> if you don't know, uh, which to me resonated because I was like, all right, if, if you know, in my mind, you know, I had already I, I was in college during the, the financial crisis of 08, 09. Um, so I started getting into the finance world based on that, had stocks before. So it always piqued my interest, but the fusion of finance and tech is what, you know, got me into it. But the price is what did it. I mean, everybody who gets into the space tries to say, oh, the tech is what brought me in. No, it was the price. It was I could get rich quicker than my peers. So that's why I got into it. And I was a teacher at the time making no money. Uh, the good thing is I got to learn early because some people, you know, they didn't learn their lesson in Bitcoin yet because they, you know, they got some gains. They're like, oh, yeah, this is great. I know what I'm doing. I got in October 2013, bought my first two Bitcoins. The price went to uh, $1,300 um, in December. And I thought, I'm like, man, this is going to go up forever. You know, I don't, I don't know market cycles. I don't really understand network effect. Uh, come to find out later, it was a Chinese trading bot gone crazy. Price went up. It was the biggest bubble. Crashed down to $200. Stayed there for about two years. So... That's when I learned about the technology. So <laughs> for most people who are in this space uh, who bought in 2017, it's a running joke in our industry that if you buy at the top, you end up becoming a holder uh, and end up telling people about it because, you know, you want to stay in the space. So that's sort of what happened. But as far as the tech side, I understood it. And once I really got the point that it wasn't going away, um, that's when the fusion of both started and then I uh, went from there. So that's how I got started in Bitcoin. And I love I love when people think they're too late. I thought I was too late. I thought people buying at a dollar had beat me because I was buying it at a hundred. Yeah. So I was like, all right. So people buying it now, like, am I too late? I'm like, man, it's so early. It's ridiculous. Where all right. So you know, immediately because of my mind's a whole lot of speculation, price speculation. I'm like, I don't want to jump into that yet because there's a lot of boomers and zoomers and noobs here who don't understand Bitcoin. So I think we should just walk them slowly through this thing here, right? Um. And even some of my my other conspiracy theories will leave towards the tail end of this interview. Um, Bitcoin. What does Bitcoin mean to Bitcoin Zay? Is it financial freedom for you, for a community, for the world, or or is it something else? Uh, Bitcoin to me is everyone's best chance, but also personally, everyone's best chance at freedom financially, long-term. And what I mean by that is my entire goal has to be in complete and total freedom, being able to grow my own food, being able to have my own water source, being able to build things. And the money aspect has to be there too. I think Bitcoin is perfect for that because it is the only unconfiscatable type of money. And what Bitcoin means to me is a chance to change 
the financial industry that we've been accustomed to. And if you're uh, if you're younger than the age uh, of 106, you've never lived in a system that is different than the Federal Reserve System. So trying to change that, that's what Bitcoin means to me is we're literally uh, changing the world in the financial industry. And that's what I want to see, because that's when real freedom will come and we can stop sort of the uh, sort of the ills of the financial industry we see now. Not saying it's completely bad, but some of it is uh, is definitely definitely tainted. So, you know, you got a. Uh... For example, you know, you got uh, the boomers and zoomers and say, oh, Bitcoin's a scam. Bitcoin's a scam. What is your rebuttal to some of these notions and ideas and and, and the pushback? Do you acknowledge that stuff or, or how do you how do you how do you rebuttal? Um, that? Well, at this point, I don't argue uh, if somebody thinks it's a scam. Uh, I kind of take the Satoshi route where he said. At this point, uh, if you can't figure it out for yourself, it's nothing I can do for you. You know, it's I'm not about to argue with you. In fact, don't buy Bitcoin. Bet against math and go with humans and then see what happens. Uh, I'm not trying to say it's an end of the world scenario, but I'm not trying to convince anybody. It's more Bitcoin for me. I don't I really don't give a shit at this point, <laughs> uh, especially when we have Google, YouTube, all of these different ways to educate yourself. If you just call it a scam and you haven't done research, which that's what most people do. They call it a scam. Then they research it and they're like, hmm, I didn't realize, you know, this is what was actually happening. So uh, because I have family members that thought I was a drug dealer or I was scamming because of Mount Gox or Silk Road back in 2013. And I was like, that's that has nothing to do with, with what Bitcoin really is. The fact that they're using it means that Bitcoin is great money, because if you're a drug dealer, if you're a sex worker, if you're somebody in that life, it's a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. So Bitcoin is so good. They were able to use it. And get away with it so mm -hmm. not only do they, do they use it because if you think about criminals they're usually the first to use anything um because again it's a zero-sum game they have to be ahead of you ahead of law enforcement ahead of regulations in order to use it so they were just early that was what the first use case was but it, it graduated because uh bitcoin is real money and i think anybody who doubts it i would challenge them to not buy bitcoin and watch it go over the years and then explain to your kids and your grandkids why they are not uh, part of the generational wealth that Bitcoin could have been. I encourage you to do that. That's when people have rebuttals. I'm like, cool, perfect. But you're going to have to explain that to your generations later when they, you sat here and watched the entire revolution change. <laughs> That's like watching the industrial revolution <laughs> going. I mean, watching the gold revolution happen is like, no, nah, no, nah, we all don't need this gold is it? or whatever. Any revolution that's happening, you watch it happen. And that's fine with me. But uh, yeah, I don't argue anymore. I'm that's those days are done, you know, okay. <laughs> trying to get people to do it. But so, I will teach anybody who wants to learn. So so when somebody comes to you and they say, um, I don't know what Bitcoin is. And, you know, how do you how do you explain that to somebody that's new? Some of these boomers and zoomers. How do you break it down to them in a way that because I have a way that I can do it in like less than 60 seconds. And everybody goes, oh, why didn't anybody explain it to me like that before? So I'll hand the floor to you. And, and, and I'm very interested to see how you explain Bitcoin to people. Oh, yeah. So start off by saying Bitcoin is money. And money has three components. It's a store of value. It's a medium of exchange. It's a unit of account. And Bitcoin has all those properties. The current system we're in is inflationary, which means your value uh, in the dollar goes down every day you hold it. You're incentivized to spend it. Bitcoin is deflationary. Uh, the value goes up over time because of network effect. And your incentive is to save it. That system does not support current system, which is war, which is, uh, you know, corporate socialism, 
those things. The Bitcoin system is open and anybody who wants to succeed in it can because it's a free market. Most of the time, the price brings people in. But once they start thinking about it that way, uh, that do you want the current system to continue or are you looking for another way? They usually go forward with Bitcoin. And um, if they doubt it, I haven't met anybody yet that says they agree with humans over math, but they always come back around. Mm. All right. So. Now, don't take this the wrong. I'm not trying to play you, but I feel like you just gave me the educated version, right? Like you speaking like a nigga with, with a degree and you just said inflationary, deflationary and all these you things. Said, you said boomers. You said boomers. <laughs> yeah, true. Boomers and Zoomers, right? Okay. But, there's, but there's still a lot of people, especially the boomer crowd, you start talking about inflationary, deflation. They, they think they know what these things mean. They don't know what these things mean, right? So now let me Absolutely. tell you how I explain it and you can critique me and tell me if I'm doing a good yeah. job. Okay. Mm-hmm. I tell people... First, I ask them a question. I say, what is wrong with the United States dollar? So I'll put that question to you first, Bitcoin. Say, what's wrong with the United States dollar? It's inflated. It loses value every day. Why? Because of the printing. Bingo. They print that shit endlessly. The difference between Bitcoin and United States dollar is there only be 21 million Bitcoin in circulation ever. That's how I explain to people. And when I explain to people like that, they go, oh, why didn't anybody say that? And a lot of people go, I didn't know there's only going to be 21 million because they think like the machines are running and printing this stuff just like the dollar. They don't even know it. So what do you think about that? How do you is that incomplete, complete? How do you feel about that explanation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very succinct. I like it. Yeah. And my way of saying it is just a comparison way. It's always a follow up question. Like, so then why does Bitcoin increase in value? Scarcity. That's where. So it's basically, you know. Same thing. You can't have value without scarcity. And anybody who uh, understands basic econ 101, scarcity is very simple. If you have a scarce asset and demand rises over time, the price goes up. Um, That's econ 101. And that's as simple as I can put it. And and of course, going forward, that's what we've seen with Bitcoin. So now I told you, you gave me like this real big educated answer. So we're going to go back to your answer. We're going to break down these terms. Now, you divided yep. Bitcoin up into money into three categories. You said means of exchange, store of value, and what else? Uh, it starts as a store of value. Mm-hmm. It moves to a medium of exchange, mm-hmm. and then it is a unit of account. Explain each of these terms to people, because I got a lot of young kids, you know, in the chat, too, that want to understand money, period. There's, you know, my kids are watching right now, and they're 11. So explain these terms to people. Absolutely. So the... Properties of money as it uh, pertains to Bitcoin as a store of value. If you have a money system where you can save your currency or save that that uh, asset uh, that increases over time based on scarcity. Like gold has been said to do or silver, which we can get to that later. I don't think there's good. That's what Bitcoin has started as store of value, which you start to see with uh, 15 public traded companies have Bitcoin as a uh in their public uh bitcoin treasury so as a store of value we're starting to see that the next wave is a medium of exchange when the value as a store of value the liquidity meaning money enters the bitcoin market bitcoin will begin to be exchanged hand-to-hand peer-to-peer easily which is sort of what the white paper is for right but it takes time after you have a peer-to-peer market you have a stable medium of exchange the last step which could be 50 years from now is using Bitcoin as a unit of account, meaning 
nobody will say dollars or uh, euros. They won't say, uh, can you give me 12 cent? They'll be saying, can you give me 12 Satoshis? Can you give me 15 Satoshis, a thousand st That is the ultimate goal of Bitcoin as a money system. And again, we're very early, so it is more predominantly a store value, but those are the three steps of good money or properties of money. Excellent explanation. Um, Halawe said, uh, follow the super chat, thank you. She said, there were only four to five good YouTubers talking Bitcoin when I started in 2013. I also thought I was too late back then. Uh, <laughs> Johan is dope for that now super chat, thank you. He said, HJ is underrated. Uh, I appreciate the content you put out. Shout out to, uh, shout out for Zay. Uh, BTC meetup in the city on the 19th. Doors is open. Hotep and Stack Sats. Thank you, Johan. Appreciate you. If y'all got questions about Bitcoin Zay, we got an expert right here, Bitcoin Zay. So if y'all got questions about Bitcoin, um, go ahead, drop a super chat. We'll get right to them. Um, let's, uh, before we get to the dark side of this conversation, you mentioned gold and silver. Now, uh, the United States dollar at one point was on the gold standard. Um, actually, let's, let me ask you this question. <laughs> I, was, uh, I have a Saturday class I do called the Mogul Summit where I uh, train entrepreneurs and act as a mentor and business coach. The lady said one of her potential clients said she didn't want to buy her product, which is, uh, I believe, life insurance, because she said the United States will go back to the gold standard. Do you think... <laughs> uh, not, not, not in this lifetime. I don't know. This is, There's one scenario where we go back to the gold, gold standard. If Elon Musk takes over as president and he finds gold on Mars, we might go back to But other than that, no, that's, that's not happening. But uh, what, you're, what, you're, what you're referring to, the uh, Bretton Woods Agreement in 1971, um, where we basically got called on our bluff because the amount of money that is circulating, we're supposed to have those reserves in gold. That means you have a quote unquote stable currency. We probably did not have those reserves and China called our bluff and they said, well, we want to audit how many gold reserves you had. And we said, fuck that. We don't use the gold standard anymore. We go with fiat. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you think our system is old, we're actually in a 50 year uh, experiment, you know, for our country. Fiat currency is very new. For this country because after 71 we started printing money and unfortunately we're at the point now today where 25 percent of our entire supplies are printed just this year but we were printing money back then on to today and that's what you were referring to with gold being the, the standard as far as backing it up and the reason i brought up gold and silver is because i know there are gold bugs there's silver bugs don't want to discourage anybody's investments um, but Bitcoin is way superior um, simply because a lot of people who think big, uh, gold is good as a, as a store value. It is because it stays the same value pretty much. Um, you don't you're not really going. It, it is pretty stable over time. It does have its use cases. But uh, as far as being able to uh, to say it's unconfiscatable, that's not true. In order to say there's a scarce supply, you don't really know um, because there's a lot of third parties involved. Just like the diamond industry. The beer has been lying to y'all for years. Diamonds are cheap. It shouldn't cost as much. <laughs> but they have uh, fake scarcity so that you feel like you should be paying more for this. And great commercials as well, but that's another thing. Um, so gold, uh, you know, Peter Schiff is pretty famous for being a Bitcoin hater. He's big in the gold market. Um, his son outperformed him this year in trading. And his son is like 19 years old, college student, Spencer Schiff. Shout out to Spencer Schiff. <laughs> but it's just funny because gold bugs are constantly, I actually made a bet with this lady who, who owned gold back in 2016. Bitcoin was like $600, gold was like 1200 
I told her, I said, Bitcoin, one Bitcoin would be worth more than one ounce of gold uh, in the next year. And she wouldn't take the bet, but she was adamant. She was like, that'll never happen. Bitcoin's a scam. It'll go away. Of course, Bitcoin went past 100 and way beyond. But a lot of people, when they think of, Bit of gold, they still think that's the standard for reserve. These new kids growing up, Bitcoin's 11 years old. Anybody under the age of 11, they're going with Bitcoin. That is going to be their store of value. Same thing with silver. I know it has its use cases. You can diversify all you want, but Bitcoin is superior. And all of the all of the uh, <laughs> the things that people like about gold and silver, Bitcoin does it and more. So I just wanted to bring that up. But I'm not saying I hate it, but I'm just saying for people who are thinking about how you should keep your gold, your silver, a lot of people are selling their gold for Bitcoin right now as we speak. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's an inverse correlation between uh, Bitcoin and gold. It seems like when Bitcoin goes up, gold goes down. Gold goes down. Yes, um, because a lot of holders of gold are starting to see, yes, this is a stable way to hold my currency, but I'm watching another currency be the best asset of the last decade, the best asset of this year. I can't live with myself to watch an asset that was $1,000, $5,000, 10000 Now it's $27,000. I can't, you know, FOMO is real, fear of missing out. Gold investors are like that too, and gold is what, $9 trillion market? So. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to be a huge wave instantly, but it's going to gradually get there. And I just think Bitcoin has, has proven itself uh, th thus far. Yeah, yeah. I I don't trust the price of gold um, for the exact reasons you brought up. We don't know how much gold exists in the world, but yeah. we always know how much Bitcoin exists in the world. You know, it's trackable. It's a public mm -hmm. ledger. Um, uh, um. I think I had another question on gold and silver. Um, it slipped my mind while we were, while you were talking. Um, I've been playing puts on gold all year. I've been doing well. I've been betting against gold and betting for for uh, Bitcoin, um, and that's been helping me out. Let's go to, let's just hop right into the origin until that question comes back to my mind. Let's go back to the origins of Bitcoin. Let's talk um, NSA, SHA-256, and let's talk uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Tell people about these two things and the white paper and the significance of these things. Yep, so Satoshi Nakamoto, um, uh, Nakamoto is the pseudonym or name of uh, him, or her, or they who created Bitcoin. And uh, we don't know who that person is, which is actually good because uh, because it's an anonymous founder. There's no centralized point of attack. Um, but what happened was in October of 2008, the Bitcoin white paper came out. It was nine pages. It described Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer -peer payment system. And one of the components of it was the SHA-256 algorithm, which is what governs the public and private key cryptography. That is what essentially makes Bitcoin secure. And because it was NSA technology, a lot of people think that is who may have created it from the beginning. And I have a theory about that. We can go into it. But right now, um, let's do it. Go in. Let's go. OK, I believe there was the one good NSA person who took that technology and decided I can actually fuck up the financial system. The one. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't NSA because it, it's a lot of signs point to that. And because it's anonymous, who could hide themselves that that good? Maybe. But I think it was maybe the one or the four or five people who felt we could actually change this. We could get away with it. They released it to the world. And what I always tell people is 
if it was going to be taken down, it would have already happened. So I think there may have been the two or three good people at NSA that was like, I don't like the system. We can change it. That's my theory. But who knows who it is? Could be Hal Finney, who's passed away. Uh, could be uh, Nick Zabo, who wrote Smart Contracts in 98. Adam Adam Bash was around that time. So who knows? Nobody knows who, uh, who created it. But that's actually pretty good because everybody else can get uh, prosecuted, sort of like XRP. Um. I, I, Alex Jones says for many years there's going to be a one world digital currency this is before the dawn of Bitcoin it's going to be a one world digital currency <clears throat> and out of the NSA comes a one world digital currency now I love your optimism but I don't believe that shit dog I believe yeah. what's going to happen is this and you can tell me how you feel about this I believe that Bitcoin could become the new standard currency um, for the B market. The A market will always be some sort of stable coin. I'll move the USD dollar to the stable coin, right? But I believe that what they're going to try and do is um, destabilize the currency so bad that the only people that survive are the people that are using Bitcoin. Do you think that's a potential scenario where the dollar crashes so far that it causes massive inflation and puts people into poverty only night and the only elitists around are going to be the ones that hold Bitcoin? Uh, yeah. Um, why else would they be printing this much money? They're literally destabilizing the currency at a record pace. I mean, this is unprecedented. And they're telling small business owners they can't operate their businesses. And then they're using coronavirus as the... the Whatever it is, I don't even know what it is anymore. The the catalyst for not being able to operate a business in a quote unquote free market. So yes, I think they are destabilizing it. They're gonna have people who, in my opinion, if you don't own Bitcoin, you will not have the means to make purchases or do business the way you want to. Unfortunately, for some people, they, they won't they don't see it that way. They see it as an investment where I can buy it and flip it. I see it in that that light. And then I see the second part of that being um once bitcoin is that standard they will go after people who may have bitcoin uh -huh. so if you're if you're not safe enough to, to store it securely i tell people how i store bitcoin in fireproof places in different locations and they think i'm crazy and i'm like i don't think you understand how valuable this is there's going to be people who want to take it from you so i think those two things are a possibility for bitcoin long term oh oh you just you just pulled out the 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 dark side of bitcoin on us all right um <laughs> Uh, uh, people I'm, need to know it be, be scared be scared because then you'll be on your toes and if everything works out you don't have to worry about it. but it's better to be vigilant you know that's to, that's to be surprised. that's very true you know um i don't talk about how much money i got how much bitcoin i got you know i play broke because i don't want motherfuckers coming after me talking about oh you got bitcoin in your house and nah, i ain't got no bitcoin in my house Nick. <laughs> yeah <laughs> not at all no bitcoin reside in here this is not where the bitcoin resides yeah you know <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, I think that's why CoinBits app is such a great thing for people because they don't have that danger, right, of holding massive amounts of Bitcoin to become a, a target. You know, in order to 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 steal it, you'd have to figure out how CoinBits app you know stores it, and we've done so much work over that you'd never be able to get to it. Um, so yeah, your your Bitcoin is safe with us. Um, I remember what I was going to say. I wanted to go back a little bit into the fundamentals of dumping the dollar. You know, um, 
when we look at gold, right, the history of gold, um, you know, it was like $20 a gram or something like that at one point, right? And then that's when they confiscated it all. I think this was under Nixon. And then when they legalized it, it was thirty six dollars. Thirty five dollars. Yeah. Thirty five dollars. Yeah. Right. They raised. They artificially just jumped the price. Yeah. yeah. So they took your gold and then sold it back to you at a higher price. Um. I think this is this is a, a fundamental lesson in understanding why you never really want to have the dollar. You know, you always want to put your money in some sort of capital good, some sort of asset to store it. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. You know, years from now, you can cash out and get it back for whatever the dollar is worth then or whatever the currency is then or flip it to a different currency then. But you got to store your money in something else. And I think that's what the rich do. Right. Absolutely. And the little the little secret that people don't understand is that the dollar is built to constantly go down. So anything, any asset that's against the dollar is going to constantly go up in price. That is why you buy art. That's why you buy real estate. That's why you buy Bitcoin. That's why you buy gold. It's always going to appreciate against the dollar amount because it's built to decrease over time. That's why rich people can put it in something. They don't have dollars. I know a lot of broke millionaires. They have $2,000 in their checking account, but they're worth $10 million because they, why would I keep dollars? They invest it as soon as they get it. And that's what I think poor people don't understand is like, let me keep this cash. Let me uh, put a money phone to a uh, cash like, <laughs> stack a money phone to my ear. Yeah, like, or let me keep this money under the mattress. And it's like, that's not how you accumulate wealth at all. Or even how you keep your wealth. Because every day you hold your dollar, you're losing value, literally, every single day. So that's how the rich people do it. And because Bitcoin has been proven to have that same technology, they call it number go up technology, NGU, because as long as the dollar, you're not watching the price of Bitcoin go up, you're watching the value of the dollar decrease. You're literally watching the dollar die in front of your face and you think it's $27,000 Bitcoin. No, no, no. The dollar is is tanking right in front of you. So that is a better index of what you're watching. So, yes, you need to invest in something. Keep it, in my opinion, in, in invested long term in something and be should be good. But, yes, that's how the rich do it. You got it. Man. Yeah, man. They, they they get rid of that cash, man. Um, Real fast. Mike Reinhardt said, uh, what would be the next Bitcoin in the cryptocurrency industry, XRP or Ethereum? It's definitely not XRP. <laughs> Yo, Mike, go uh, type yes. in XRP right now. Do you want to hey, give him a quick rundown on what happened with XRP recently? All right. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Uh, XRP has been a shit coin since I've been in the industry. I want people to understand this. This is not a kick them while they down. Nobody that is a serious Bitcoin has liked XRP from the beginning. Here's why. All right. First of all, XRP is the only project that has managed to be hated by both crypto and banks because crypto people don't take it seriously because it's not real cryptocurrency and banks laugh at it. We had a VP from JP Morgan uh, in a clubhouse room who was like, yeah, we we literally laughed at that idea that we would use your product over ours. Yeah, get out of here. The price of XRP is very artificial because it is a settlement coin. If you buy on one side, you have to sell it instantly. There is no incentive for the price to go up. So what you're seeing are massive pump and dumps by inside group who had a 60% pre-mine and they've admitted it on camera. And then in the SEC, 71 page article, go read it. That's exactly what they said. They pumped the price. They cashed out on top of your heads. All these people bought Ripple at a dollar, two dollars. All these partnerships paid for. All of these uh, articles about them making waves paid for. Um, even their, you know, alleged 
giving to Ashton Kutcher, Ellen DeGeneres, Morgan State. What do you think happens now? Gone. That value is gone. SEC investigation. The feds don't come after you and lose. So it's not like it's going to be some bounce back. People are like, I'm accumulating ripple for when it comes. Let it go, people. XRP is not happening. I don't care how many ripple bots you have in this chat that pop up. It's not happening. It's over. Ethereum is not Bitcoin. It's different. Nothing is Bitcoin. And the reason I say that is there is no body to go after. It's the only really decentralized currency. Everybody else has a founder. Vitalik Buterin could get you know summoned at any day. He can get that tap on the shoulder, too. So Ethereum is a project that's aiming to be the world computer. They do have partnerships. They do have some traction. They had the first ICO ever, which was very, uh, which if you, you know, for those who don't know, initial coin offering, much like an IPO, but for cryptos. So they are pretty established, but I wouldn't say it would ever take over Bitcoin. There is no next Bitcoin. There's too many things that had to align for Bitcoin to be possible. And since it happened, it's like lightning in a bottle. And I don't think people understand that. You had to have an anonymous developer and you had to get over Mt. Gox and you had to get over, you know, Silk Road. So and the technology had to be there before everybody else. So uh, I don't think there'll be another Bitcoin. Um, not not as a cryptocurrency should be. Chad Lemoyne, 49 Super Chat. He said, reparations for the white supremacist Russian bot cosplaying as a black man who understands crypto and is trying to build a strong black community. I had some lady on Twitter before we got on here called me a Russian a Russian bot and said I was cosplaying as a black man. <laughs> and was like, oh, wow, I didn't figure me out. Um, Halawe, she said, uh, do you own Bitcoin? Or do you only control the keys? That's a big that's a big argument that's happening right now. You know, it, do you own Bitcoin or are you just merely controlling the keys or does controlling the keys mean you own it? Um, there's a quote. Um, I forgot who said it, but it's, it's literally nobody ever owns Bitcoin. You simply hold it for the next generation. So, yes, I think that statement is pretty valid. As long as you know your private keys or you have your seed phrase, you own it. But when you die, when you give it to some, you don't really own it. It, it just gets passed down to somebody else. So. Yes, that is a valid statement, but technically, yes, you do need your private keys to own it and use it while you are still breathing. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my assessment on what owning Bitcoin means. Mm. Good question, Halawe. She said uh, XRP creates supply out of thin air too, shaking my head. Yeah, yeah. Trash. Funny, funny little little uh, project they tried over there. Um, let's talk about uh, government, government regulations, right? Like the government tries to... Uh, do you see government becoming a problem for Bitcoin in the future? The, I think, you know, even in, not necessarily just the coin, but also the peripherals as well. Um, so here's what we have. This is a very nuanced argument because you have people in government who own Bitcoin or they have family members who own Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. They're invested in companies who use Bitcoin. So I don't think regulation wise, they're going to do anything to get rid of it. Even the uh, the office of the control of currency stated we're, we're not banning Bitcoin at this point. I think it's either too late or it's too much invested into things around Bitcoin. So I don't think they'll get rid of it. But I think what will happen is there will be laws that will have an initial shock on people. So, for example, we can see in January, whenever they get back from vacation, they can say, hey, everybody who owns a hardware wallet has to sign up as a as a neo bank sort of so to say or have some sort of license which they've actually tried to push that through um and a lot of people were mad at that bill because it was the virtual currency bill to try and make sure 
everybody's hardware wallet was signed up on some database. If that goes through, I think there'll be an initial shock, like, what is this? But Bitcoin always survives. I don't think there's any regulation that could be put out in America that could stop it because it's a global currency. It will continue to be used. You in think fact, that's cool? I th- uh, no, nah, hell no. Okay. There's no reason to have a database of people's hardware wallets. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> why would you? That's like saying I need you to let me know the serial number on your on your <laughs> on your on your fireproof uh, safe. Let me, yeah, yeah, like no, I need to know. No, you don't need that information. So, uh, I think that's a terrible law. And in fact, you know, I was uh, invited to be on a, a some group. Uh, I can't remember the name of it to work with uh, blockchain with Joe Biden. And it's his people that are basically coming up with these laws. And I'm like, this is trash. This is going to be a part. So I kind of turned that down. But it's you can see it uh, intermingling with politics because they realize Bitcoin isn't going away. And they'll say blockchain all they want, but they can't they can't get rid of it. So um, because of that, you know, that's that's basically how I think it'll go. But regulations won't stop Bitcoin. It's, there's nothing that can stop it at this point. It's a runaway train. Uh, and I mean, I won't say nothing. Nothing's guaranteed, but regulations damn sure ain't gonna be it. I can tell you that. I I, I don't feel like it'll hurt Bitcoin. I I feel like um, it just creates ba- uh, uh, barriers and obstacles and hurdles yeah. for mm-hmm. you know, like you always say, Bitcoin, Black America, right? And and how it can help Black people. Well, if Black people can't open up exchanges because they need a license. How do they even start to mobilize with Bitcoin in a very powerful way? Because when it comes to currency, you know, holding the currency is another thing, but we all know the middleman is the man who always gets paid. So once you raise the barrier and say you got to have, you know, all these licenses that people just can't afford, you're basically saying only rich people will have the ability to exchange his currency. And that's what I think is sort of the push. I mean, you have institutions who may have missed out on the biggest wealth transfer of our lifetime. So they're going to try to find a way to accumulate. I mean, I think we saw that in a microcosm on PayPal. PayPal was accumulating Bitcoin for months and they only let, I believe, 10,000 of their special customers accumulate Bitcoin when they first opened. The price went from 13 to, I think, 19K and then it opened for everybody else. Hmm. What do you think that was? That was institutional accumulation. They were letting their their big buyers buy as much as they could as the price was going so that by the time you could get it on paper, I wouldn't suggest it. It's really just a Bitcoin IOU. But those are the games that are being played at the highest level. They're trying to find a way to take away your Bitcoin either with bad news, with regulation scares. Because I can guarantee you if that bill came out, the price might drop, you know, $5,000 overnight. And then people would panic and be like, oh, my God, what's going on? Is Bitcoin over? No, you just sold it. Right to the institutions you claim to hate, the ones you're trying to get away from. Do not sell your Bitcoin. There's no amount of bad news that can get rid of it. China tried. Most people don't remember China banned Bitcoin like 20 times. And every time they came out, price dropped. Price dropped. What do you think they were doing? Accumulating. Every time the price was going down, it was a wick really quick. And it would go right. I mean, it wasn't real. Uh, it wasn't real volume. So every time people talk about regulation, I'm like, look, these are scare tactics. You shouldn't listen to the media anyway. That's the reason why I think Bitcoin and Black America fits. If you talk, talk about misrepresentation, Bitcoin has been misre- misrepresented for years. Black people have for decades. You should you should be really uh, used to seeing this type of misrepresentation by anything that challenges the status quo. So mm. I, that's why I think it's like a match made in heaven because that's what media will do. Don't get scared out, out of it. Yeah, I I, uh, I spoke to a financial advisor a few years ago and 
I said, uh, you recommend Bitcoin to clients. And they were like, no, we don't do that. Are you serious? That's, you can't do that. That's, you know, Bitcoin isn't, you know, this is like. You're fired. You're fired. You got about five years. You got about five years. Listen, you might have three years as a financial advisor to not have Bitcoin on your portfolio sheet. You got about three years. I give you, <laughs> but most of them should, they missed out on thousands of percent of gains and yeah, yeah, that's and just how it goes. So I'm, 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 I'm listening to this. It's a friend, so I'm listening to him speak, and I'm like, "Are you sure this is a bad idea?" Yeah, you're not supposed to buy Bitcoin, but I think what happened was because the big boss and the firms that they work for are brainwashing their employees with, you know, a whole bunch of fake news. So I'm thinking like they were doing that because the same thing as China, they want to accumulate on the back end before they start selling it. Yep. Right. So they accumulated low. And instead of trying to sell Bitcoin from, a, you know, the general market, they're selling their own stash of Bitcoin that they accumulated at the mad low price of years ago. Am I correct here? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, even the banks, they were telling their employees they can't buy Bitcoin, but they were. I know per, this is the reason why my book got pushed back, because I know people personally who. <laughs> who were doing this and I was writing about it and I, I had to take it out. But literally there are people who are telling you in the news, Bitcoin's bad, shouldn't use it. These big banks are telling you on the back end are buying as much as they can. Literally every day I'm buying as much Bitcoin as possible as the price goes down because they understand that market cycles exist. So when it crashes, they can go out and say, see, Bitcoin crash, don't buy it. It's at $3,000. Meanwhile, they are, they are punching the buy button as fast as possible. <laughs> They're buying everything. I've had people call me. So how can I buy a million dollars worth of Bitcoin? And you're like, where did this come from? You know what I mean? I thought you were. I thought you worked for such and such bank. And that that is a result of what has happened before. They 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 use the media to manipulate you, to scare you, to make you feel like you're not a part of it. When in reality, this is the first time maybe ever we can flip that pyramid. The trickle down that we could have had, and or it could still have a trickle up economy basically where at the bottom regular people can have an asset where rich people have to purchase it in order to survive as a business making you richer putting you in more control and the best they can do is print more money to make the price continue to go up you have the opportunity right now which is sort of the bitcoin's reparations thing so yeah you have the opportunity they just don't know how to react to it so <laughs> these bankers they lie people they are liars they, they that's are, what they, they do are. man they, i mean they're good they're, at it. Why would they stop? You keep listening to them. That same financial advisor years ago, you know, they're selling Bitcoin now. I'm like, I, you know, I, I guarantee. Most hey, yo, of if them that are. was my financial advisor, <laughs> they would be fired. On site. As soon as I see you, you get me in early. Are you benefiting <laughs> off of it? Yeah, I got to see you, brother. If I asked you three years ago about Bitcoin, you told me, no, it was a scam, don't buy. And then you come back and try to sell it to me three years later at a higher price, I'm cussing you out and you fired. I'm giving you all my yeah. assets. I, you're not managing much. I can't trust you. You don't know what you're talking about. Or yeah, you're scamming right, me. Yeah. Exactly. Rubbing my money, man, because I already know. There's, there's a lot of people who are financial advisors who they couldn't say it, but then they'll grab it like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what is all this? These games y'all are playing. You are a sovereign individual. Fuck that bank. Fuck that job. Especially if you're black. If you're listening right now, you don't owe banks shit. I mean, we could go through the list of things they have done to economically disenfranchise everyone, but especially the black community purposefully. So you don't owe them anything. So when they're telling you, don't, they're basically telling you, don't free yourself economically because we need you to work for us. Why would we? 
why would we give you the tools to your own freedom? Like, I, I know a lot of smart people who learn about Bitcoin and their first, why haven't I heard about this? And you're like, okay, you're smart, but why would they give you the tools to your freedom? Why would they give you the key to fuck you money? Because you're going to say fuck you to them and they're not going to have you. They're not going to be able to, to control you with this money aspect. So that's all that's been going on. Stop letting them lie to you, man. I mean, if the price isn't enough, uh, you know, proof, just think of the amount of people that are talking about Bitcoin. And how many people have you heard say the word Federal Reserve before Bitcoin came out? Mm. Nobody even knew what the fuck a federal. They didn't know federal scarcity. I'm, t I'm hearing dudes I grew up with who wouldn't even <laughs> wouldn't even discuss budgeting. Now they're talking about scarcity. It's only this many coins and network. I'm like, this is this is really happening. So don't let these people scare you out. We're, you're seeing and I, for people who are spiritual, the age of Aquarius just came around and this change people are seeing. I'm starting to see it spiritually. And it's just funny that we're having this financial revolution as this new age is starting. I think we're starting to see people basically say, nah, I'm not listening to what y'all say anymore. I got my own freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that same financial advisor, their job told them they weren't allowed to accumulate Bitcoin either. They'd be fired if they bought Bitcoin. This is this is the weird stuff that was going on, man. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I looked at the, I, I looked at this individual as somebody who I thought was intelligent. And um, I lost a lot of respect after that conversation because of how adamant they were about how Bitcoin was bad. And I'm like, before this job, you was all about Bitcoin. You will let these motherfuckers on Wall Street fool you because you was with this beforehand. Um, <laughs> yeah, they'll hype you up with a paycheck and a pat on the back. Make you feel like, yeah, yeah, this is it. You know, you see how everything's going. Come on, man. Like, it's, it's, it's so, to me, it's, it's so disrespectful that anybody listening to this, if that's what's happening to you, you should go question the people that's really, really nice to you at your job. Why Why are you like, why can't we buy Bitcoin? I would love to see somebody email the CEO. Like, why exactly can I not use my own money in the way that I want? I mean, fired, think about you'd that. You'd be fired for asking. Exactly. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't, yeah, you would, but I mean, get a group together, get, get, get like 15 people. Hey, our whole department leaving if we, if we can't buy Bitcoin. I mean, that's what it's gonna take. I know it's hard, but if that's, if that's the difference between freedom and not hard is nothing like you right. can't tell me something's hard that's why you can't do it so yeah i just think it's uh that realization starting to come around uh ray toussaint 49 super chat thank you ray uh kyle andrew 999 thank you he said can you help me with scarcity of the supply of bitcoin i get there's only 21 million but can't it infinitely can it be infinitely divided if we start trading in nano or pico bits isn't that inflating the supply no, if you, I mean, this is a debate on Twitter right now. <laughs> People, um, <laughs> we're talking about this. This is the simplest way to think about it. If you have one whole pizza and I cut it into 10 slices, you do not now have 10 pieces of pizza. You have one pizza sliced into 10 different pieces. Slices, Just yeah. like if you have $1. If I have 100 pennies, I do not now have $100. That's not how it works. It's yeah. just, that's how it so this is how it works for people who don't understand. One Bitcoin is 100 million Satoshis, right? So if we go down the line, 10 million Satoshis is 0.1 Bitcoin. 1 million Satoshis is 0 0.01 Bitcoin. 100,000 Satoshis is 0 0.001 Bitcoin and onward and onward. And the good thing is the wallets nowadays, you don't have to do any math. When I started, you kind of had to do that math. Mm. But now they do the math for you. So all it is is a conversion rate. 
And one thing I want to tell people is stop thinking about Bitcoin's price at 27,000 being unattainable. Start thinking about Satoshi's because at some point, one Satoshi could equal $1. And right now, 1 million Satoshi's is $270. If you can't afford $270, you shouldn't be investing or trading or anything anyway. That's a million Satoshi's right now. So it's, when people say too late or you shouldn't get it because it's divisible, it's like, no, it's still the, it's still the supply. It's just divisible because it's better money and you can pay actually a, a, a percentage or less than a penny. So, yes, yeah. that's how you should think of it. If you have $270, you can become a millionaire. Take that $270, yep. go to coinbitsapp.com, you'll be a millionaire. You're all a million Satoshis. We got to stop thinking in terms of dollar. Millionaire equals dollar. No, we don't got to think like that, people. Yeah. Um, wasn't a bad question, Kyle. I just feel like once you say there's a finite amount of something, dividing it really doesn't mean shit. There's a finite amount. And, and the pizza analogy was a great idea. It's still going to be the same amount of pizza sitting there, no matter how many times you slice that bad boy. Um, Michael Oheimbor. Uh, uh, 49 super chat. Thank you. He said, uh, what is a good BTC wallet you'd recommend? Also, can you explain blockchain and would there be a BTC card in the future? Shout out for all this talk. There's plenty of BTC cards out there now. There's a Go bunch ahead. of them. Yeah. 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 So, um, a few wallets I use edge wallet. Um, they have in-app purchases. Um, I know the guys and I had it before when it's air bits. So I've been using this since 2014 edge wallet, uh, BRD wallet is pretty good. I mean, there's, there's plenty. Um, Bitmari is another one um, founded by my man Sinclair Skinner. Shout out to him. Uh, it actually connects with the Uphold Exchange, so you can buy in-app on there as well. Those are some of the good ones to start with. And then as far as, uh, what, what was the second part you said? He said something uh, about- Blockchain. Blockchain, can, okay. Can you explain blockchain so, to him? Yes, so blockchain, for one, people don't understand. Blockchain was not in the original Bitcoin white paper. The word does not even show up there, all right? But there was a diagram and a description showed that a batch of transactions is called a block. And these miners, when they find that block, they process those transactions and they get the reward for that, right? These chain of blocks have to be verified by the one before it. And that is what you call a blockchain. The reason we can verify the supply of Bitcoin is you can view this blockchain online and you can see how money is moving all day. You can see wallets, you can see exchange wallets, you can see whoever's moving, you can actually view it. So it is auditable and that is why the blockchain is good. Now, that same technology can be applied to different sectors. For example, supply chain. If you can verify goods and you can put it in a blockchain and it's quicker and faster, then companies may want to use it. But technically what I tell people is blockchain is not hot sauce. Cannot put it on everything. As uh, my friend Lamar has always said, you can't put it on everything. Some people are trying to have blockchain this, blockchain that. Technically, blockchain is a slower database <laughs> than what we already have. Just use Amazon Web Services. You don't need a blockchain. You don't need a token for most things. So I want people to understand blockchain is a buzzword. It's big. People say it. I work in the blockchain industry. Really, most of it is distributed ledger. Most of it is private blockchains, which are just databases. But a true public blockchain that allows people to process information uh, efficiently and fast, that is how blockchains work. So um, I hope that answers this question. Word. Great, great, great response. Michael uh, Ohiber, he said, uh, do as I say, not as I do. A quote from the establishment. Yeah, for real. Ramsey's Lab said, uh, <laughs> how about wrapped B BTC and Uniswap for cloning a DEX? 
Uh, well, if you want to use Uniswap and you want to clone it yourself, I'm, I'm guessing he wants to build a DEX. Yeah, uh, but I guess. whatever. But rap, rap, rap BTC. If you don't know, for people watching, it's a one-to-one, um, basically stable coin to Bitcoin that you can use for DeFi. Now, rap Bitcoin is not Bitcoin. There are a bunch of variations of Bitcoin: Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin whatever, Diamond. Um, but it is not Bitcoin. But you can't use that for DeFi applications. So people use that. They convert Bitcoin to wrapped Bitcoin, and then they use it for those applications. Now, his question as far as cloning. I'm not sure what he's trying to do with Uniswap, but if he's trying to clone it to create his own, that's fine. You can, I guess, check out the open source <laughs> documentation, but I'm not sure what he means there. So let's talk, let's call it DeFi. Everybody's talking about mm -hmm. DeFi, DeFi, and that stands for Decentralized Financial Exchange, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. oh, so why is this thing so hot? So DeFi, as most people think of it, is Ethereum DeFi, right? So you have lending. You have derivatives, you have asset, anything in the financial industry that can be applied in the cryptocurrency world, that's decentralized finance. But what we're finding is decentralized finance is not very decentralized. Most of these projects are on Amazon Web Services. That's a centralized service. That's not decentralized at all. A lot of them have gotten hacked uh, or uh, you have pump and dumps where people have lost millions of dollars uh, with coins like, I don't know, SushiSwap or BurgerSwap or some random shit coin that somebody pumped and dumped, took your money and went on. So DeFi, of course, is a vision of the future, but I don't think um, it's there yet uh, because it's too much volatility. So even if you have lending services, you have to make sure the price doesn't drop below a certain level. And because people aren't traders, you can get liquidated just because the asset goes down. So you don't really want that uh, as much, especially long term. One thing I will say about DeFi is people forget Bitcoin is the original decentralized finance. It literally is DeFi. Bitcoin, that's what it was created for. So if you want to build on top of that, which we call layer two solutions, such as Lightning Network, that's already being built. Today, Russell Okun, first NFL player to accept his uh, his his salary in Bitcoin, half his salary in Bitcoin, uh, he used Lightning Network Strike, an app that is Lightning Network layer two on Bitcoin. So D DeFi works. You just don't have to use Ethereum, so to say, or some of these services that can get you caught up. Um, let's see. RSK is another one. They have uh, an app called Sovereign where you can actually put your Bitcoin up as collateral and you can get cash loans. That is decentralized finance. The fact that you can do that with BlockFi, decentralized finance. That is Bitcoin by itself is decentralized finance. So uh, and I, I kind of want to run through that because I know some people listen to me and I understand what I mean. You can actually, at this point, instead of selling your Bitcoin, which is a taxable event, you have to pay capital gains tax. You can actually put up your Bitcoin as collateral and you can get a cash loan, which usually is 50% of the dollar value. So 20,000 worth of Bitcoin, they'll give you 10,000 cash, right? When you pay back that loan, they give you back your Bitcoin. The Bitcoin you gave them could have appreciated in value over time. So that is a possibility. But if you're a business and you do this, whatever interest you pay, you can actually write off the interest that you paid on that loan. If you're a business, you put up that Bitcoin and you get that loan. So you don't even have to sell your Bitcoin at this point. So decentralized finance is already gone. And people that don't understand what I'm saying, the barrier to entry is gone. You don't need to sit in front of a banker who may or may not have ill intentions. DeFi is built for people that want to get straight to the point. Do you have the assets? Do you have the collateral? I don't care about your zip code. I don't care about your race. I don't care about your class. I don't care about anything else going on with do you have this collateral? Cool. Here's the money. 
that's what DeFi is doing. So I'm, I'm glad it's coming around. I think people should stick more with the Bitcoin side because it's more stable. But Ethereum is, is moving really fast, which is why it crashed and burned really quick. Not saying it won't come back, but we did see the rise this year. And then we saw it stabilize after a lot of hacks. And things happen. Mm, mm. Um, let's talk Bitcoin in Black America. Um, prior to this conversation, I was like, Bitcoin Zay is crazy. He thinks that Bitcoin is going to save the black community. But I already got my question answered. I get. I think I get the angle. So can you explain to me what people are going to expect from Bitcoin and black America and why you think Bitcoin will help black America? Absolutely. So in the first version of Bitcoin and black America, uh, I basically show how uh, Bitcoin as a money system is better than what we currently have. And most of the things black people are asking for, you can take it with Bitcoin because that gives you leverage. Uh, if you want to unite around something, it should be economic. And I think Bitcoin could be that thing. It's not an end all be all. It doesn't solve every problem, but it has to be a part of the solution. And I don't see enough financial people talking about it um, outside of the gains that could happen. Yes. Value over time goes up. You also get to enter an industry where you are at the forefront of building. You can build the IBMs, the Facebooks, the whatever Fortune 500 companies of the future if you build it in a Bitcoin and blockchain space. So for the black community, a few things I outline is one, as a, from an education standpoint, colleges should have blockchain groups at every single historically black college and university. Because if you wanna have a pipeline of students who are gonna move into it, like I always say with my Indian brothers and my Asian brothers that worked in IT with me, their parents told them, you're going to be in technology. You're going to be a doctor. As a black community, we should start telling them, you're going to be working in Bitcoin and blockchain something you're going that philosophy forget arts this is what you're going to do so you know at that point i feel like education if you can at least introduce it um that is what we should do at the college level I also talk about the black church i'm not religious myself but a lot of our money is poured into uh religious either black church uh muslim whatever doesn't matter you can accept bitcoin as donations you can use it as a way to store value much like the catholic church did Catholic Church has a lot of real estate, a lot of gold, a lot of a lot of assets that insulate them to the point where Vatican City is its own literally city and they can protect their priests from prosecution. They can move them around because they have enough money to do it. Um, and I think with black churches who are thinking uh, long term, you should have a store value like Bitcoin. I go even further to talk about internationally, how we connect with other countries. And um, that is, you know, basically the basis of the first book. Um, and we can talk about the second one as well. Yeah, so what's the, yeah, so what's the, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about, right. cause the second one is up for pre-order now. So people can go ahead and pre-order uh, that. Pre that, right that link is in the description mm -hmm. box below Bitcoin and black America. So what's the mm -hmm. difference between the first book and the second book? Oh yeah. So the second book is, uh, all new solutions. And, um, it's basically if the first book was a hundred level course, the second one is a 200 level course, not as elementary, not as, you know, simple. Um, and the reason I did that is because I was experience, you read the book, you get three webinars. The time is now, it's a sense of urgency more with this second book. First one was like, all right, you can introduce it's cool. But the second one is like, all right, what are you doing? We can start now. So, I mean, some of the things in the book, I start off by talking about the Bitcoin and black America tour, uh, showing people how early it is. People are still literally asking, can I, do I have to buy a whole Bitcoin? Like it's still very early. Um, so talking about the tour talking about some of the opposition I got from black people, which was, you know, pretty great. Um, you know, talking about, um, 
you know, some of the things that happened on tour as far as being stranded with no money and Bitcoin actually saving me at one point. Um, so that's what the first sort of memoir style, like the first version. Then I go into the case for Bitcoin, talking about the stock to flow model, um, talking about um, the Cantillion effect, the fact that people who get access to money first are able to control the market for generations and how that can reverse with Bitcoin. Also discussing um, some of the different exchanges people can use. Uh, also how to run a node, um, because it's cute that you can buy Bitcoin and sit on it on Coinbase or something. But you need to know as a black person, run a node and how to store your Bitcoin privately. It's not enough to just own it now. You need to move up a level. Um, then I go from that to my favorite chapter, Fuck the Banks, which uh, the first book is Fuck the Banks, but this one is literally Fuck the Banks. Um, uh, all of these things in there are just uh, actions that they've taken in the last year. So this is not old going back. So this is literally just the last year. It shows the hypocrisy and them telling you not them manipulating gold and silver markets or having SEC charges for uh, investor fraud or not paying their employees or racial discrimination. All of that is in there. Um, and then go forward from there to talk about how the economy is not just America. Black is global. And I have over 30 countries I discuss. I go into those because at some point you may need, in my opinion, some of the smarter people in the U.S. want to leave and they're going to establish businesses in other countries. So you have that guide as well. Um, from that point, we go into Bitcoin as reparations because, in my opinion, as far as reparations go, are they owed? Absolutely. I think so. But there's two ways to go about it. You can push for it, you can ask for it, or you can take it. And my solution is how you can take reparations, how you can put yourself in a position to let people do what they were supposed to do anyway, but they won't have a choice. And I described that as well. Um, and then following that up, I talk about Bitcoin as DeFi, how we can... Yeah, the onboarding process is clear now. There is no racial component to DeFi. You can just do it how we can start. And then last but not least, uh, my last chapter is called No More Talking. Because as soon as you close the book, last chapter, you can literally start. And CoinBits app is one of the, the things featured in there, my eight ways to earn Bitcoin without trading. I have a whole section, a part of that chapter, eight ways to earn Bitcoin without trading, which is also the first webinar. So most people aren't traders. 90% of people do are not profitable as traders. So don't think you're going to get in Bitcoin and crypto and just start trading away. That ain't going to happen. But you can earn Bitcoin. You can use, you can get Bitcoin cashback rewards. You can use coin to set it and forget it, earn Bitcoin every time. You can actually um, do things that put you in a position to stack sats, so to say, without doing, you know, outside things. So the book is full of information. Uh, I think this one is definitely a step up. And for people who need a beginner's guide, first one's good. But for people who are in it, I think this can help either the intermediate or even the advanced person. Yo, thank you for including us in the book, man. Oh, yeah. That's Absolutely. dope. I'm going to have to get a copy yeah. and send it to you to get signed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, Doe Do, um, Do actually put me on it way back when, I think. 2019, 2018, yeah. somewhere in there. When we first, I think we first talked back then. And you were discussing it. And it was just getting started. And I remember I was one of the first people on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is dope. Because I remember a company tried to do it. And I was like, thank you. He figured it out. Because that's the easiest way. Like, Coinstar has a way where you can take your change, dump it, and then get it back. But when you can do it automatically, you don't have to think about it. That's genius. So, yeah, I'm glad you have that. Definitely, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I know the company you're talking about. Yeah, they're out of business now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think it was started by a black dude, too. Yeah. Yeah. Kent the Road 199 Super Chat Halawe says, uh, please explain how Kraken Bank helps with adoption. Kraken the exchange? 
Yeah, she said crack and bank. I didn't, I'm like, crack and bank. Um, mm, crack and, I'm not sure. Well, crack and, are they opening like a crypto bank? Is that what she's saying? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I, you know, I didn't hear about that. I know as an exchange, they do some great either. things. The API is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like Jay. Yeah. Now, what are you gonna say? Now, I say yeah, I like I like Jesse Powell, uh, CEO Kraken. They do some good stuff, and he's he's one of the older Bitcoin people who are like still pushing back, like it's still Bitcoin, buddy. Like we're not going to a bank. So I don't know if he did a bank thing. Yeah, Krista Mana one ninety nine super chat. You know it's funny. You talk about how like somebody comes to you and they say. Um, you know, do you have to buy a whole Bitcoin, right? And every time I get that question, I'm just laughing at like, damn, like people still don't get this thing. So I was um, at a family, um, you know, uh, gathering and um, one of the ladies there is a, is a banker. She high up in the banks. I'm talking like, you know, executive. And uh, I'm talking about Bitcoin. She's like, oh, Bitcoin's stupid. Da, 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 da. I'm just like, what? So... <laughs> She was so. It's the, it's the it's the rage they have that makes you interested. You're like, why do you hate it so much? Word. <laughs> I was like, I was like, where does this vitriol come from? So, the one of the things that came out of her mouth that just made me realize something. She was like, nobody can afford to buy a whole Bitcoin, and I was like, whoa, you work at a bank and you don't know how Bitcoin works. <laughs> I'm about to destroy you. Yeah. So, so we this was a debate, and I just completely destroyed her. She felt stupid, and it's just like this: the people y'all y'all trust with y'all money. <laughs> hey, there's a lady. They're killing on Twitter right now. Frances Coppola. She yeah. apparently wrote a book on qualitative easing, and she doesn't understand that one Bitcoin can be divided into satoshis. She's like, so isn't the supply infinite? They're killing her right now. She's blocking every Bitcoin person who's disrespectful. <laughs> Look her up, Francis, F-R-A-N-C-E-S underscore Coppola, like the wine or the director, like Francis Coppola, the director. Um, and it's funny because she wrote a book on qualitative easing. All these people listen to her. She doesn't even understand the basics of Bitcoin. That's why when I was an arrogant 25-year-old wearing a hoodie, walking up to people who work for Mor you know, Morgan Stanley and Maryland and, and Bank of America, I would laugh because I'm like, as smart as you all think you are, you learned exactly how to do that job. You didn't really learn about money. You learn how to do that right there, what you do. Because me, I learned about money and I could, if Bitcoin was terrible, I would have came to that conclusion. But of course, when you don't really understand money, you just understand your job, come to a conclusion because you don't, you don't know it. And when people start talking, I just, that's why I let people talk. When people disagree, I'm like, go ahead, I, I, go ahead, you got it. Because um, I have not met a person who's done sufficient research and hasn't liked it. I've had people who have done sufficient research and haven't bought it, but that doesn't mean they don't like it or understand it. I haven't had that. Just doesn't happen. It's very simple. There's very little correlation between a college degree and intelligence. People, I'm telling you this from experience. I worked with Ivy League grads, mm -hmm. and when the big bosses left the office. They came to me to get the job done and I'm a college dropout. They came to me for help. I'm the one that had organized all their projects and and all of their slides on PowerPoint. That was me. Their ideas were fighting them. Before they brought them to the board, before they brought them to the big boss, they ran them past Hotep Jesus. And these are people that graduated from Harvard and Princeton. Do not let these people fool you and thinking that they know some shit. What they're good at is being trained. Very good. 
They've been trained by these financial institutions and they know their training very well. Everything outside of that, and you require them to think, they fall all apart. That's why they're so easy to destroy in debates because all they know is what they know. Yeah. And any new inf information is, is met with vitriol, like you said. That's the problem. It's not that you don't know, it's that you refuse to learn. I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of education they do in B school, where they convince these people that everything they're telling them is correct. Um, but they do a number on them because they really come at you like Bitcoin is the dumbest thing I've heard in my life. Currency is not backed by anything. Oh well, neither is a fee, neither is a dollar. Well, that's different because it's a, you know just be like, all right, man, it's a, we can we can do this all day. But I don't debate people anymore. I just kind of let them think what you think. But yeah. you um, you have to explain that to your future generations, not me. Uh, my my daughter's good. Yeah, you know it's like. You get overeducated, you get too much education. For example, you know, somebody was like, um, you know, so I could talk about tax and communism, right? So people say, um, you, know, you know, people get their money back at the end of the year. That's not communism. They, you know, you, you, you pay the taxes, but you get it back. And I'm like, okay, what happens if you don't file those taxes? Well, you go to jail and you get a fine. Oh, that's not communism. That's not democracy. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't that exactly what what communism? I mean, Jesus Christ. Words mean things, people. Like I hate people that just say stuff, then you define it for them, and it's exactly what's what's. And then they're like, "Well, but that's different." No, you just been told that's not what happened, but that is what's happened. And I mean, as much as people talk about, you know, I tweeted this out earlier. As much as people talk about they hate capitalism. I'm like, how? You haven't experienced it. You, you don't know what real capitalism is. We haven't lived in that because if we did, we would have just, everything would have tanked in a way and it would have stayed dead. There wouldn't be a bailout. We wouldn't have stimulus checks. We wouldn't have uh, a lot of the printing that goes on so freely because we would have people voting on if you're printing that money, whether or not to do it. So it, you haven't lived in a capitalist society and you damn sure ain't lived in a socialist one. So you definitely don't want that either. <laughs> Cause so people, they didn't watch what they wish for. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people, man, communists been touched this country, man. Yeah. All, all, all 10 planks have somewhat been implemented in the United States. And the biggest one I think is, uh, the central bank. It, Absolutely. that, that was Marx's dream. And that was Lenin's dream to get a central bank. And I'm like, if they could be allowed to see this now, well, Lenin's was alive to see it. Um, yeah. But damn, like here we are folks, that fucking central bank. And then the fractional reserve currency. Are you familiar with John Law? John Law? Yeah. Uh, to an extent, but not, you know, okay. not an expert, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's like one of the fathers of fractional reserve currency and, and printing money um, back in the 1800s. Uh, I feel like that's somebody people should go and and look up and and see what he did in France and and uh, how he ruined King Louis in France and whatnot. Um, but the history of the banking system. What what kind of tidbits of information do you got about the history of the banking system and corruption and whatnot? Oh yeah. So let me preface this by saying first things first. Zero fiat currencies have ever survived. They've all went to zero. So if you think America's different. On a, on a long enough time scale, we already know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> this is how, how it occurs. Uh, is it all in one collapse? Is it a gradual 
thing where we, you know, kind of ease ourselves out of it. Um, that's the only thing that that's the difference. So some of the banking stuff that I've seen in, in the past, uh, atrocities that I've done, for one, there are a lot of banks operating today that funded both sides of a lot of wars. So if you want to talk about corruption, banks have literally funded us and the other side because it don't matter who wins, we win. And I'm not going to talk about who owns these banks, but just look up who owned these banks <laughs> during times of war and then look at how they are now. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times people think that pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do everything if you just work hard. No, 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 no. Most of these very rich people did something illegal to start and then they cleaned it up along the way. And for most people who are just good, goody two shoes their whole life and they wonder why they can never get rich. You didn't do anything big enough and illegal enough. I'm sorry. That's just as an adult, you should be able to take that at this point. Uh, most of these really, really rich people, they did something. Now, can we figure it out exactly? Not exactly for everybody, but a lot you can. So a lot of that started with a lot of the bank stuff starts with that. Um, I mean, we can go into redlining. Let's talk about uh, redlining. I mean, redlining. OK. Almost 80 percent of the wealth in this country comes from land ownership currently okay. today. Started from there. OK. What what white people, I think, who have this disagreement with, I don't know, reparations or black people or people just in general who don't agree with it. They don't understand that banks literally drew red lines around areas on the map and said that black people can or cannot live here. They can or cannot live there. And they place them strategically in places where the property value is almost destined to not go up. So if you look at how a lot of these black neighborhoods are, the reason why most of them are right off of the highway is they built highways straight through these neighborhoods so that the property value could not really increase over time. The and train tracks too. Value. And train tracks. That was, that was the next thing I was going to say. Or a lot of the black neighborhoods are right by the, the old steel mill. Everybody's working that at 50s and 60s, which is Ohio, not open. Ohio, it was, Ohio. The, uh, it was the tire um, industry, Goodyear and all of them. Yeah. So my Absolutely. homie in, so, in Ohio said they used to tell stories where if you went to the black side of the neighborhood, you could smell the rubber. Yes. But you exactly. and the yeah. wind blew that way. But if you're in a white neighborhood, you didn't smell it. And obviously that's going it. to destroy <laughs> your your property value. Your okay. property. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is this this is something that was distinctly done to make sure that you could stay in your box and not move into the areas. Because when people tried to actually move to these areas, they were met with violence, sometimes arrested, or basically pushed out of where they live. So banks established that to start. These standards that we have today came as a result of that. So even if technically they're not like, oh, because you're black, it could be because of your zip code or because of the type of business you own, uh, they don't get loans. So, for example, a lot of black people uh, open nail shops and hair salons, and it's almost impossible for them to get loans, even though that is a mostly black-owned business because of the standards that from back then, we don't give business loans to this because it, how do we benefit from it? You know what I mean? We don't understand black hair. We don't know. That started from back then, and it still continues today. So even when people was like, I didn't do anything racist, the standards are, the system is set that way. Now, as a black person who knows that I'm going to achieve, I'm not going to say, hey, this stopped me from being uh, excellent from achieving. But these things do exist. And people who work for banks need to understand that a lot of the stuff that's happened, this isn't, I mean, we, we can come up to current. I mean, Bank of America. Wells Fargo have 5,000 employees doing or 5,000 legal accounts or so. Um, they got the employees, they put them on the front and they basically were like, oh, it's their fault, even though they were telling you to do this so that you can get a bonus for creating fake accounts and having like this is how egregious they are. And then 
what I hate is what I call the Nino Brown effect. I talk about this in the second book. They cause the destruction and then they come back with a quote unquote billion dollar or million dollar initiative uh, to support people with COVID or to support uh, local businesses or communities. That's just Nino Brown handing out turkeys to the same community that he just destabilized. You don't get points for that. You don't get points for putting out a fire that you started. So even when banks do all this quote unquote nice stuff, they have these commercials with flowers, little white girl running in the pasture. We've been here since 1880. Fuck that. They, they've been doing so much wrong to this point. There is no apologies that need to go on. And you need to, people need to stop falling for that shit, honestly. Like, I'm, uh. I, I'm, you grown. People at this point, you grown, man. Like, you still falling for the fact that banks care about you. You got your best interests at heart. But you got a 0.75% savings rate, which doesn't even keep up with inflation. They they know this. They're, so why are we so adamant about that? I don't know. But again, that's why these are some of the things banks have done in the past. And they will continue in the future unless you have leverage. And if you start moving your money out of it, we say, hey, well, we'll move it to Bitcoin. We'll get it out of here. Savings accounts won't exist. You know what I mean? We'll just move it to Bitcoin. That's when you have leverage. That's when you can say, at the very least, you got to change your, your operating tactics. Mm. Meek Mill was online the other day talking about he wanted to get into crypto or something like that. And um, he was talking about doing a, a, a streaming thing and he wanted to holler at Silicon Valley. And I'm like, bro, you don't need Silicon Valley. <laughs> right? Could it, I mean, not at all, man. Not at all. I mean, he commented on top of Mike Novogratz. Okay. Uh, who's He's a trader within the Bitcoin industry. And Mike is he's pushing like trading courses and like trying to get people to trade over time. That's not what Bitcoin's built for. So he commented on a white dude's post thinking, I guess he knows more. And then I commented because after he did that, it was a flood of people on Twitter. I don't know how they saw it, but they was like, why did you know Bitcoin say? Why did you know Bitcoin say? So just to test it, test my SEO was working. I put in Bitcoin, black people. My name is the first 10 results. So yeah. I don't know how much research he did, but if he typed in Bitcoin and typed in black people, I'm literally the first 10, 20 results. My, shout out to my developer, Chuck. The SEO is working. But again, what I'm saying is he wasn't looking. He obviously wasn't looking for black people. He was just looking for who he thinks the smartest, which is Silicon Valley, which is actually they're behind. Silicon Valley is catching up now in tech. But look for the people like myself, like yourself, who has a business. Like, like I said, some of the people I named has been in since 2011, 2012. We obviously knew what was happening. We weren't lucky. We stayed. We didn't leave during the bear market. We didn't have a, a trust fund to, to, to hold us up. We were here. So, I mean, if he did any research, I think he would have reached out to me or somebody else at least. And honestly, he's doing a clubhouse tonight. His, I have a, a guy who said he could hook me up. He actually, I think he wanted me to put, come on stage and talk about Bitcoin to him tonight. So that's, I, I hope he reaches out. I hope I get a chance to talk maybe or somebody else talks to him because black people are definitely doing their thing in this in this industry. We can yeah, help him out. He you need to, to you need to everybody at Meek Mill, tell him how that Bitcoin say, man. We need to we need to keep that in house, man. You don't need you don't need Silicon Valley. Yes. Silicon Valley gonna yeah, rape man. his ass. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they, they want you to show up without knowledge. They're gonna they gonna fill you, they're gonna pump your head with all this garbage. They're gonna tell you start your own token, do a unregistered security ICO or some shit like they got with else. They got Jeff Fox with that. DJ Khaled, they got T.I., they got, uh, I mean, a bunch of them that, that were promoting ICOs, that's probably what they were going to pitch them. And then, boom, uh, now you're on the investigation, you got to pay the money back, it doesn't matter. Ain't got nothing to do with Bitcoin. Right. Or helping black people, so. Right, right. You got to get the conversation in line, man, because there's a lot that can happen. We just got to make sure you talk to the right people.
that's I'm glad you brought that up, man. Um, uh, Sergeant Crypto, uh, thank you, Kristen. Said uh, Sergeant Crypto said yes. Kraken uh, has opened a bank in Wyoming. Good stuff. Uh, Ramsey's Lab said uh, debt has been sold as opportunity, aka student loan. Let's talk student loans. I'm I'm an asshole. I feel like if you signed on a dotted line for a student loan, you should be uh, forced to pay that back. Uh, I don't believe in student loan forgiveness. It sounds like more communism and socialism. Just stop taking out the fucking loans. What, what do you think about all of that? Yeah, I think um, we were miseducated, uh, but that doesn't forgive loans. You don't just... I know people are like, why don't we just push delete? And it's just like, it's not how shit works, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you can't just do that because I understand how the world works. The people who would do that, they would lose a lot of money. You think people who are getting these payments over time are just going to want to stop? No, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of that either. Um, I signed on the dotted line. I had some student loans, but those are well, you know, in the past. But what I do understand about how the market is changing is as a former teacher, as a person who comes from a family of teachers, the educational system against college is becoming more and more worthless if you're not there for certain things. I want my doctors to go to college. I want my lawyers to go to college. But liberal arts people... Like uh, some of these things are just going to go away because it's like we don't we can't have you on campus with COVID going on now. Um, but then why would we need you? We teach you everything online, and then why do you need college? Kids are thinking, why do I need college if I can learn a skill, or if I can learn sales, or if I can learn web development, um, or if you, if you can learn about blockchain and Bitcoin, something like that. Like I taught a 15 year old about Bitcoin. He learned how to code. He paid for his own college in three years. So like once that starts happening, it's like that's because he wanted to go. If he didn't want to go, he would have been worth six figures at 18, then he could just travel the world or something. Who knows? But what I'm telling people is the college education system, one of the things that's, that sucks is that it's becoming outdated. You have to come up with the <laughs> new system. Uh, and I, as an educator, I'm starting to see that. So uh, I, I hate that's the fact, but that's that's sort of where we are. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I, you know, when I talk to people like, yeah, I think I want to go to college. I'm like, for what? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, some people, yeah, but most most people don't need to be. I knew I wasn't. I didn't need to be there per se. I mean, I, I guess you know because in tech, I felt like it's, it's better to get that stamp. But it was networking. I mean, I still use people from back then. That was all college was for me, really. And uh, I think that's that's what it is for most people who don't go there for specific skills. Yeah, I think college is great if you plan on hustling. You know, if you're going to build your corporation and use the people at school to build your corporation. But I feel like with the way the Internet is now, at the age of 16, you should be making a thousand dollars a month off the Internet. If you're not 500 something, you should be something. I mean, a hundred dollars here and there. Like kids should be almost self-sufficient with the Internet these days. And they shouldn't be expecting college to bring something for them. And kids, if they're going to college, it should be because they're paying for it cash and they want to go. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not paying for my kids to go to college. I, I refuse to. If they go, it's because they got uh, a um, scholarship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not paying for college either. I'd rather. I mean, I don't think by the time I my, my daughter is two months, so she's got she got a while. Mm-hmm. But by the time I think uh, she's at college age. The way we will teach her, I don't think she'll want even want to go. Between yeah. traveling and learning, learning things, learning with adults, I think it's paramount. Learning that, all right, you want to integrate into society, you need. I think that cripples a lot of kids. They're like 13, 14, and they don't know how to act around adults. They're with kids all the time. Right. It's like, no, no, you're trying to integrate. You can't just turn 18 and throw them out there and be like, all right, this is what we do. 
dudes don't even know how to mail a letter. And then, <laughs> you're an adult now. What's you, now what you gonna do? And you're like, damn, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know shit. So I think if we start that early, which I plan to do with my daughter, hang out with us. You eat with us. You travel with us. This is how we do. And then they'll start to mature that way. By the time college rolls around, it's like, why would I want to go hang out with these immatures, immature people? You know, when I, at this point, I already have an online business or entrepreneurship or own stuff. Like, it's the parties. It's the parties. Parties, yeah. It's the parties that I mean, kids going for. Anybody that's, that does that, yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like, why would I, why would I give this, why would I, I'm going to just say, why I'm going to get a white man 10,000 when I can get my daughter 10,000? Go start a business. Go fail at life a little bit. Here's ten thousand. Go fail at life, and when you run out of ten thousand, come back. I give you another ten thousand. You know what I'm saying? And, and we exactly. fix it from there. But I'm not gonna take ten thousand for somebody else to teach us some shit I already know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, especially with tech nowadays, you could you could go to the first day, get the syllabus, and then just go home and read all the books that's on the syllabus. <laughs> read it for yourself. Like you don't even need him. Yeah. This is the point. Or um, uh, like you said, self learning. There's actual mm. degrees online for skills where if you learn, as you know, if you learn how to code, if you just learn that skill, you could be making $80,000 out of high school. You don't need to go to college for that ever. There's never been a need to go to college to code ever. No. But now it's even less. So it's like they, want, they just want, want to know you can build there. this shit. Can you build this? Let me see can what you, you build. build. That's why I love tech. It's like, it's, it, it, can you do it or not? It's like, ain't no, yeah, ain't it all this English where you can be like, oh, it's pretty good, but it wasn't great. Or it was, you either can do it or you can't. And that's why I like tech. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, crypto culture says, Zay and this bitch. Yeah, you know, you know, we here. We finally made it happen. Crypto Kid 216 had great show. Can we talk about the Bitcoin havings every four years and the effects and volatility, stability of Bitcoin? Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So in Bitcoin's code, uh, the supply schedule that is built into Bitcoin is that every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that is rewarded to miners is cut in half. All right. So what that means is 2009, January 3rd, the first Bitcoin was mined. The first block was found. 50 Bitcoins was given to that miner. Right. And every 10 minutes that continued. Right. Every 10 minutes, 50 Bitcoin was given to the miners who solved that math equation, right? Every four years after that, it was 25. In the next four years, it split into 12 and a half. Now, as of today, the block reward for miners is 6.25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. So every 10 minutes, that reward is being pushed out to whoever mines it. The next happening is 2024. Think about it this way. The demand now is almost at a fever pitch. Everybody's talking about it, right? Imagine the demand in 2024 with the supply cut in half. The price of Bitcoin, that's where we talk about hyper-Bitcoinization. We're already seeing Bitcoin go crazy with just the initial burst of mainstream, like, okay, well, I'm in this to good. Imagine four years from now, institutional investment, retail investment, you have the collapse of maybe a major economy, maybe not the US, but just maybe one major economy, and then they say they want to back it up in Bitcoin as a reserves. I think that'll be the catalyst and the supply schedule reason it's like that and the reason it works is because scarcity and that supply will run out in the year 2140 none of us will be here to see it unless somebody invents some way to live a lot longer um but at that point what will happen is miners will be rewarded with fees they will no longer be rewarded with a mining reward so when people say what happens when the supply runs out is it over no bitcoin will be out into the world it will be a market people will use it whoever has it will be at the top whoever doesn't will have to try and find a way to get it 
but it will be out in the world and miners who have that mining equipment will be paid in fee. How the supply works and we can see that supply work over time. We know every four years this is what's gonna happen. So you have more governance uh, in the Bitcoin market. You look at the Federal Reserve, we don't know when they're gonna print money the next time. They can do it tonight. I have no clue, I have no say over it. I can't do anything, but you know for a fact 2024 that next happening is coming. So um, that's what the supply schedule is, that's how it works. It feels like we're in the middle of a digital gold rush. You know, the the the, the Wild West or the Old West had a, a gold rush. And it was like everybody's running out there to grab their gold. And if you got the gold, you won. If you if you found oil in the land, you won. That's what this Bitcoin thing feels like. Because right now, like less than 1% of the population owns Bitcoin in America, right? So isn't that what we're in right now? Is like a gold rush. And like everybody who doesn't get it is going to be looking at you gonna be looking at Hotep Jesus like Hotep Jesus is an oligarch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, people talk about building citadels and buying islands and getting away, but yeah, you know what's what's crazy about the gold rush is the people who got gold were not the people who got the riches. It was the people who sold the shovels. So I commend you on being somebody who provides a shovel, like Coinbase app. Those are the people that got rich. If you know for a fact everybody wants this asset and you create a way for them to get it easier, you're gonna win in this market. Which is why right now I'm currently in talks with Visa to find out a way to do that, kind of like fold out, because I want to create my shovel as well. And and we just you know, we've, we've had this discussion about you know a year or so ago. But at the same time, what I want people to understand is this gold rush is actually attainable. The last gold rush, you had to travel to the West and you had to have the supplies and you had to not get killed over what you just got because there were people who were like yeah you go ahead and dig i'm gonna chill over here and uh when you finish uh, we got 50 guns pointed at you you know what i mean like that that was the original gold rush this gold rush you can do it from the comfort of your home you can sit your fat ass on the couch and just buy bitcoin <laughs> put it in your wallet and literally you can attain the most valuable asset of the last decade and the most valuable asset this year in terms of commodities so again this is the digital gold rush. If you are a part of it, cool. But I will say it is good to look for those shovels, to look for a way to establish a shovel. It may take some time, it takes some years, but uh, yes, I think we are in that gold rush. If y'all if y'all want to get in the shovel business, Coinbits app is uh, taking on investors. Come be a partner with us, man. Come join and be a partner with us. I got a lot of people reaching out to be partners that I frankly don't want to do business with. Um, that I may have to do business with just for the benefit of the company. You know, you got to be objective about things. You got to remove emotion and just look at the business. But, um, and I'm not talking about like establishment people. I'm just talking about people I just don't like um, personally, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you know, the, you know, there's some people in this space I refuse to yeah. work with. Like I, I know them personally. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that shit. But if you guys want to be in the shovel business, man, you know, we're, we'll, uh, you know, come invest with us, man, and, and be in business with us. Um, Bitcoin is a great conversation today. I don't, I don't even want to get into like some of the other conversations. I, I feel like this was a really potent conversation about Bitcoin and money. It's, we've gone for about an hour and 30 minutes here. Um, and I want people to actually sit down and listen to this sometimes when you create too much long content, they don't, but I think this is short, potent. Um, when the book comes out, um, part two, reach out to me and we'll, we'll do a, a, a second one, man. Use me. I'm a resource, man. We'll do um, oh, Bitcoin yeah, and Black America dot com, right? Bitcoin and Black America dot com, absolutely. Um, what's up with what's up with Jack? You met Jack? Yeah, yeah, I met Jack. Uh, Jack Dorsey, who was referring to uh, CEO of Twitter. 
Um, yeah, had a discussion with him and everybody at Square, and um, you know, got to talk to them about the book, talk about Bitcoin in general. And one of the main questions I asked him was, "Can you withdraw off of Cash App?" This it wasn't available at the time, and then he was like, "Yeah, it's coming." Now we have that, and I feel like Cash App. Once they did that, I was like, "This is withdraw the Bitcoin." You can withdraw Bitcoin from Cash App to your own wallet. Yeah. Okay. Because nice. that was that was a that, that was a concern of mine. Because whenever you're talking about products, uh, I don't want it to be a Bitcoin IOU. I want you right. to be able to take that Bitcoin and own it. Because that's what Bitcoin's for to right. be self sovereign. So once they said that, I was good. The reason I said don't buy from PayPal is that's not an option. You either keep it on here or you don't, and that means mm -hmm. they own it. So if they decide you can't use your own Bitcoin, show's over, buddy. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so I talked to Jack. I like Jack. I'm glad he shouted out the book. Um, talked to him pretty often, actually. The entire company actually bought he bought books for the entire company. When's so he gonna to when's he gonna give you the blue check? Well, they're not doing it till the new year, but I'm petitioning now. I am trying to reach out via email to his, his EA. Um and then also to online trying to get like build up like hey, we need this blue check. But they're not doing verifications until uh twenty twenty one. That's so bullshit. I got what, three days, two days? <laughs> that's, that's bullshit. Yeah. I've seen people get verified this year. They they lying. Let me find out Jack races. Hey, man. <laughs> say, nah, say nah. Shout out to Jack Dorsey and everything he's doing over with Twitter. You need to chill with that censorship. But, um, yeah. Know, man. Hey, we, we, some, yeah, yeah, we get that tap on the shoulder, you got to do what you got to do. So. Oh, yeah, exactly. That tap on the shoulder, I'll be telling people, it ain't really Jack. There's a lot of people on his back. Oh, yeah. Um, but man, thank you for coming on. Um, this has been another sharp conversation with Hotep Jesus. Y'all be safe, man. We out of here. Zay, hold on. Gotcha. All right, straight.